0: Hello and welcome back to the Struggle of the City podcast. It's so good to be here. It is a Saturday night in the parkland. We're going to be talking about the parkland quite a bit. Uh, This is going to be a series, multi-part. Today I'll just do a little bit of an introduction of two cases, one of Durante Martin and the other Timmy D's just a light overview uh we're not gonna dig too much today uh we'll just see where it goes i've been in contact with the mothers of both both young men and uh, i hope to have them both on the podcast at, at separate times to talk about how uh who durante and who timmy were as people and get some insight on the cases and uh, where we are today with them. Uh, you know, small towns, it, it, it's kind of a, an overarching story about small towns and, and uh, secrecy and, and things of that nature. Uh, you know, small towns are weird. In some cases, everyone knows your business. In other cases, people get really quiet. Um, in both of these that we're going to talk about today... Uh, people are very quiet. Uh, some are asking questions. Some hope the questions go away. Um, we'll talk about these cases and, like I like I said, we'll we'll see where they go. Um, I'd like to hear from you if you can get at me on uh, on Twitter. Just search "Struggle City Podcast." It'll pull me up. So. Let's start with the first case. It's Durante Martin. This is a really interesting case. This uh, takes place in Fredericktown. Let's just listen to the 911 call. On April 25th, around 2 a.m., a call was made. You uh, in Madison County, 911. What's the address of your emergency? Yes, I need the cops uh, that... ...and an ambulance... Yeah. Uh, apparently, a guy just shot himself. You said a guy just shot himself. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And is that where you are? Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I hate this. Can you hear me? Uh, Yeah. Is he breathing at all? Yeah. No. Do you think he's beyond beyond any help? Do you you want to try CPR? Uh, i Somehow I got in the back of my. I'll. Okay. Okay, you're cutting down. Uh. Hang on a second. Okay. Oh, I can't even get to, to her. He's... Hey. Can you hear me? I see if he's breathing. Thank think he is. He is breathing? he? He's gasping for air, they said. How old is he, do you know? How old is he, like, like maybe 20, 19, 20, 21, somewhere like that. Shout out. In the head. In the head? think? I can't really see him, but there. Is he alert at all? Is he conscious? He don't look like it. And when did this happen? Um, about three minutes ago. Huh? You said three minutes ago. Oh, I Okay, you're hard to hear again. Anyway. You're cutting out, sir. You're cutting out. I can't understand you. I'm trying to find a spot where I could bug it. Hello? I can hear you now. Right. Uh, whatever I called you. What was your name? Uh, James Blaney. All right, so the claim is this. Durante Martin, a 19-year-old young man football star at a local high school, high school I went to, Central, who's in the prime of his life. He's trying to improve his SAT scores to get into college to play football. He's working two jobs, Walmart and I think a restaurant. And he goes with his friends to a house party in Frederictown, Missouri, 90 minutes south of where his mother lives, in Ferguson I believe. His mother's name is Erica. And he finds an attic closet at this stranger's house that flies a confederate flag and shoots himself in the temple. That makes no sense. Let me tell you a little bit about Durante. Um, Like I said before, I'll save a lot of it for when I talk to Erica, hopefully. And we'll get into more about who Durante was as a person, but he saved his family from a house fire. So he's a local hero. Like I said, football star, big brother type. Everybody likes him. Big smile, big laugh. No one, no one thought that he would do such a thing. So this autopsy is done by a local coroner. Everyone kind of knows everyone. The autopsy report says that Durante has something like 600 milligrams of methamphetamines in his system, which is insane. No one knows Durante to have have done that sort of drug, um, or any drugs. Durante, big, big kid when you think of someone that does meth. I mean, come on. Um, But anyway. So that's the claim, is that he finds an attic closet, and he shoots himself in the temple with a stranger's gun in a stranger's house in a rural area, 90 minutes away from mom's house Now oh, i think his grandmother lives locally also durante had his hand in a cast because he had had surgery on his hand so that's the story now durante's mother of course and the rest of his family they're furious at this point and they're trying to get answers trying to get answers they're getting nothing but silence, stonewalling crickets. And so they eventually get their own autopsy. And when this autopsy comes back, it tells a quite a different story. And it tells that Durante died by violence, which is what I think everyone already knows. So, it goes to a grand jury and the grand jury finds that Durante died of violence. Now, at this point, you would ask yourself, okay, great, let's go arrest ourselves a killer. Let's go arrest ourselves some conspirators. I'll give you one guess how many arrests have been made. Zero. Yeah, none. No arrests. Uh, Well, I take that back. James Wade was arrested, but for something else, something unrelated. If you want to hear something even crazier, uh, there was another supposed suicide at James Wade's house. So, uh, yeah, there's that. Now, James was... uh, arrested on what were the charges? Let's see. Yeah, he was arrested on a shots fired incident. It was a separate incident with another man named Jacob Graham. Um so yeah, that's that. That's pretty strange, huh? I'd like to hear your opinion on it. I'm on I'm Strug City podcast on Twitter. Let's have a conversation about that case. Uh, Man, that 911 call is so weird. You can hear a a young girl in the background say something to the effect of, I hate this, and the caller, who I'm assuming is Mr. Wade, seems maybe bothered by the whole thing, like uh, inconvenienced. I don't know. What's your take? I'm interested in hearing what you, you have to say. Why do you think there's been no action in this case? Do you think it's just plain old racism? Is it, is it incompetence? The second case I'm going to cover, will dig a little bit deeper into maybe the local politics. My next case is that of Timmy D's You may have seen his missing pictures floating around uh, Facebook, different social media. His mother, her name is Barbara Hall. And if you drive by the courthouse in Fredericktown, which is a tiny town, uh, probably less than 4,000 people. Now, she's not from the area. She's actually from St. Louis, which is about 90 minutes away. And she stays near Fredericktown just to find her son Um, and I think as a parent if you're a parent you can relate to Barbara also two strong mothers in these cases I look forward to talking to both of them Uh, now Barbara was actually booked to speak with me she had a death in the family she recently lost a nephew so Condolences to her and uh, keep her in your thoughts and prayers. Now Barbara, her son is Timmy D's and he went missing in February. He was 20, is 26 years old. Now Barbara, she, it's hard because she doesn't believe that he is alive. Uh, So when I refer to Timmy in the past tense, it's Kind of from Barbara's perspective, it's not intentional. So, Dee's Timmy had he grew up in Southeast Missouri, not far from Fredericktown. Um, when he turned 18, he wanted to work, and he there just aren't a lot of opportunities in the small area. So he moves to Creve Corps, and over the course of about eight years, he starts doing different jobs like a rigger. Uh, setting up stages for concerts, things like that. He liked music a lot, which is why I kind of felt a connection to to Timmy, in a way. Um, I first actually ran across this case when I saw his missing picture on social media, and it it said, tattoos, bottle of ranch, um, and a pizza roll. And I just thought... (laughs) You know, I just got a sense of like a, a sense of humor, but it's not actually from a place of humor it it's out of tribute for his brother Michael, who died of a, a drug overdose. He had long battled uh, mental health issues, addiction, things like that. And so Timmy got a tattoo of a pizza roll in the ranch dressing on his calf as a tribute to his brother. It was his favorite food. so. Anyway, in February of this year, one of Timmy's friends from Fredericktown offers to pick him up, take him back to his old area for the weekend and Timmy was excited. You know he's going out to the uh, out to the country on February 25th goes to Fredericktown and when Timmy doesn't call his mother over the weekend, she didn't worry too much. You know he's a grown man, 26 years old. Now, by Monday, when she doesn't hear from him, she starts to uh, realize her text messages aren't going through. She starts to get really worried. A few days later, she reports her son missing. She gets a call from the friend who had taken her son to Frederictown. He'd been arrested on a warrant, and this was unrelated. But he calls... Timmy's mother over the jail's video conferencing system, and she recorded the call, and in the video, he was just really unkempt and sort of dirty and, you know, just looked bad. And this friend starts using this verbiage that's kind of worrying, uh, stuff like, I'm going to do everything I can to look for him, I'm worried, Barb. I love you. I love him. I don't want you to think I hurt him. Stuff like that. This is really strange. And she starts asking questions like, why would you say you'd never hurt him? What did you mean? And, um, so anyway, I digress. Around 1 a.m. on the morning of February 28th, Timmy was last seen on a Security camera footage at a gas station in Frederictown. He drew some money out of the ATM. He played the video slot machines. No big deal. Seemed happy. Totally fine. About three hours later, almost five o'clock in the morning, someone makes a 911 call from Timmy's phone. And the call goes to the Madison County Sheriff's Department. It wasn't recorded. And he says something like, someone is chasing me. Now, since the call isn't recorded, no one knows for sure if the voice belonged to Dee's or if someone was using his phone. After that mysterious call from Timmy's phone, Timmy's mom says that uh, deputies with the sheriff's department, they went to a house on Village Creek Road in Madison County, north of Frederictown, which is between, you know, Frederictown and Farmington. Now, there the deputies arrested Timmy's friend who had traveled to Fredericktown with him on an outstanding warrant. Others there said that Timmy had been there that night but had already taken off. So it's like he vanished. On any given day, you can find Barbara Hall at the courthouse in Fredericktown holding up a sign that says, help bring me home, has Timmy's face on it. $10,000 reward for anyone that can help find him. She actually is not from the area. She's from St. Louis, and she's staying with some folks so that she can be closer to where her son disappeared. She says she's not going away. She doesn't think that Timmy's alive, Um, but no one's seen him, no one's heard from him. The sheriff there in Frederictown, in Madison County, she, Katie McCutcheon, she says that the uh, lack of closure on this case causes a black eye for her department. She assures everyone that she's working with the uh Missouri Highway Patrol on the case. But Barbara, you know, she claims that the police aren't doing enough. Vloggers everywhere are claiming cover-ups. You know, the sheriff there posted on the uh on their Facebook page that they're deputies are receiving threats and harassment which is terrible she says and i quote i'm hiding absolutely nothing we're covering up nothing all the facebook warriors are getting on facebook saying how we've got all these suspicious deaths in the county yes people come here they shoot themselves they die i can tell you that every death we have if it is somewhat suspicious, we call the Highway Patrol. They have more experience, they have more education, they deal with murders every day. We deal with a murder every three or four or five or six years End quote People are angry at this sheriff, as Barbara puts it,, quote, "People pull over all the time when they take a flyer from me, and they say, "Man, I hope you find out something." This whole town is corrupt. We hope we get some answers and something changes in this town. End quote. So the local officials are taking some flack between this case and the Durante case. Durante's family had to go and get their own autopsy and fight tooth and nail to get a grand jury. The grand jury ruled in their favor. And we still haven't seen an arrest. What's going on? So weird. So, with that said, speaking of threats and harassment, I just want to put out a little disclaimer on this episode. You know, I don't want anyone that listens this to badger, bully, or harass anyone. I'm going to have some interviews, most likely, coming up, and people are going to have their own opinions, and I just want to put it out there that these aren't my opinions, they're not the opinions of The Barn, they're not that of my affiliates, any of the other podcasts under that The Barn umbrella, so don't harass them, leave them alone, they're not my opinions, I only do this because way back, I'd say a couple years ago, there was a local case that I commented on, and uh, one of the local towns charged me with harassment. This was on Facebook. Um, I had to get a lawyer. They had to argue my case in court, and it it ended up dropped, Um, but not after quite a bit of money so let's not do that again all right so leave people alone i am so glad that we had the chance to hang out tonight it's been a beautiful weekend we've had a drought here so we've had some rain and boy i've been fighting the battle against uh the drought the water in the garden has been a full-time job here (laughs) But we're glad for the rain, and boy, things are going great with my family, and we're just doing better and better. Everybody in the family's doing great. My 17 year old daughter joined the Navy recently, or the Navy Reserves. We're so proud of her. She wants to be a master at arms, which is basically uh, military police, but it's Different in the Navy, it's called Master at Arms. My uh, toddler son—I don't haven't talked about him yet. Maybe in the future. I don't know if anyone would be would be interested. But he's uh, he's my best buddy in the whole world, man. We spend the whole the whole day together. He uh, when he was born, his name's Elliot Smith when he was born, he uh, had strokes. His, uh, so he's had some issues, some health issues, and he's in some therapies. He has uh, three therapists that visit our house every week. One for speech, one's occupational therapy, and then the other's physical therapy. He's doing so amazing. He's like saying words. He's not quite two yet. Um, but he's saying all kinds of stuff. I'm super proud. Um, I just can't brag on him <laughs> enough but if uh, if you pray or if you just want to send us good vibes you know pray for Elliot and uh, my daughter Josephine as she enters the Navy she still has a year of high school <laughs> high school left I hope to have her on maybe an episode we'll just have a have a little conversation and talk about the future talk about the way the world is and her perspective just to kind of put this episode into perspective a couple days ago Japanese former Japanese Prime Minister Shinzo Abe was assassinated given a speech a few weeks ago uh, Roe v. Wade was overturned by the Supreme Court that's weird as hell um That's a sentence I never thought I would be recording on a podcast. But anyway, um, with that said, I'm going to end this episode. Two interesting cases. Let's talk more. Reach out on Twitter. This episode brought to you by Amara's Apparel. They do all kinds of shirts and embroidery. If you like to mean Sykes. In my past episode, that's his business. And uh, I want you to check him out. He's a great guy. We like to support our friends here. So with that said, you have a great evening. We're out. Struggle City Podcast. See you next time.